Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. Good morning, Celebrate Church. Man, welcome to week three of our series, Managing My Life. It's been a great series. I don't know about you. It's been a great series for me, learning about how we manage our lives according to not the world, but God's word. And so I'm so grateful to be with you. If you don't know, my name is Noah. I'm one of the pastors here. And if you do know me, no, no baby yet. Ask me in 10 minutes. We might have a different answer at this point. Baby's still not here. But something I'm really grateful for, I'm just reminded of this morning, is our pastor. Do you agree we have a great pastor in Pastor Keith? Absolutely. You know, I've, I've lived several different places. I've been around a lot of leaders and pastors and experienced that firsthand. And I don't know anyone who's loved people, been so passionate as Pastor Keith and the way he leads, um, the way he truly believes in people, but really that he'll do anything short of sin for people to meet Jesus. And so I'm just grateful for Pastor Keith this morning, the way he's believed in me, and I'm sure so many of you could feel the same way. And so I just wanted to thank him, first of all. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, in this series, Managing My Life, we've been talking about key areas of our lives where if we'd simply manage them, we'd experience success. And the concern for me when I say that word success is that everyone seems to have a different idea of what success is. There's people who think success means money, power, status, but that's not, the, that's not what we're talking about when we say success. What we're talking about is what God says success is, you know, having eternal impact, being obedient to his word. And those are the things that we seek. We don't seek the same things of this world. And so we're talking about how, according to God's word, we can manage our lives and be successful. And just a quick question. How many of you would say that life feels too complex sometimes? Anyone? Yeah, absolutely. And how many of you would say that you'd rather live a simple life than a complex one? Anyone? Yeah, and again, when I'm saying simple, I don't mean a life without purpose, a life without meaning or significance, but a simple life when we know what we're doing. We're not overwhelmed or distracted constantly, but we know what we're supposed to do, and we do it. And I think if we look at the life of Jesus, he did the same thing. There was people constantly placing expectations on Jesus. Everyone wanted to take from him, and yet Jesus somehow lived a simple life. He knew his calling, he knew his purpose, and he knew his father, and he walked in that. And so I think we need to be more like Jesus and live a simple life. But with this complexity issue, just like anywhere else, the world seems to have a million solutions, doesn't it? I mean, you can find podcasts, books, conferences, whatever you can imagine on this idea of simplifying your life. And so I actually found a few books that have not just been written, but published on this idea that I wanted to share with you real quick. The first one is this, 365 ways, 365 ways to simplify your work life. <laughs> if there's any of you here that think that applying 365 things to your work life is going to simple it, I got one for you. Just quit. <laughs> there's no way that is working. The next one is this, the guide to living a balanced life, but it's 511 pages long. I mean, you're, you might not even be living by the time you finish that book. 511 pages long. And the final one, 
This might not speak as much to you as it does to me, but simplify your life with technology. I mean, give me a break. All that does is complicate my life. I don't know about you. But sometimes, and tell me if you relate with this, sometimes in life it feels like there's so much going on. There's so much going on around us, so much happening to us, that there's nothing going on up here. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Life can be so stressful and overwhelming that we can't even focus on the things that are most important. And so my proposal is that we do something I learned from the greatest sitcom of my time. You can disagree with me, but I'm right. The greatest sitcom of my time, which is The Office. Any Office fans today? Man, you can't beat it. But this is something I learned from The Office. You might have learned it somewhere else, which is KISS. Does anyone know what KISS stands for? I love it. I love it. <laughs> Keep it simple, stupid. And there's a moment in the show, Dwight shares this with Ryan, who's trying to learn about sales. And he says to Ryan, he says, best advice I ever heard. Hurts my feelings every time. <laughs> and I think that's the same for us. We need to hear that. Keep it simple, stupid. But some of us just get caught up in, oh, you just call me stupid? We need to hear that. We need to hear that. We can't do this on our own. We need to keep it simple, stupid. But some of us just keep it simply stupid. <laughs> we just get it twisted. And I feel like that's when life gets complex, is when we keep it simply stupid. And I think managing our lives is simple. I say that because we already have the answer. We don't have to go searching for answers. We don't have to spend our whole life exhausting all this energy. We have the answer. God gave us his word already. We don't need to go looking. He gave it to us. All we need to do is apply it. So if we want to manage our lives, if we want to be successful, it is simple. It isn't complex. We just need to keep it simple, stupid. And so a quick recap of the series we're in. Week one, we said that if you want to manage your lives, we need wisdom. Pastor Keith shared with us that wisdom is responding in life to life as God would. We've all heard WWJD, what would Jesus do? And it's having that mindset the difference between wisdom and knowledge is knowledge is knowing something. Wisdom is knowing the truth and applying it. So week one, we learned if we want to manage our lives, we need wisdom. Week two, Pastor Reed shared with us that if we want to manage our lives, we need to manage our emotions. That we all have emotions, and we need to learn in a world where it seems like everyone's driven by emotion. People react to things irrationally out of their emotions in a world where things look like that, we need to be able to stop, drop, and roll. We don't want to respond out of our emotions. We understand that God did give us emotions and they're a gift, but we need to learn how to steward those, how to use those. And again, it's not saying that emotions are bad um, because obviously that we have, we love, we care, we feel compassion. We get all those emotions because those come from who God is. God is loving, God is caring, God is compassionate. We just need to recognize that if our emotions control us, our lives aren't gonna be successful. They're not gonna look so good. And so do our emotions, do we serve our emotions or do our emotions serve God? You know, it's the difference between reacting to your emotions or responding to a moment. And now we're in week three and so 
If you're taking notes or have your Bible, I encourage you to take your Bibles out. We're going to be in Ephesians 5 today. Ephesians 5. And Pastor Reed and I are going to talk about what is one of the greatest gifts God has given us, which is our time. One of the greatest gifts God has given us, which is our time. And in fact, this is actually perfect timing because we have this young adult ministry, you know, these community of young people from 18 to 35 that are really seeking out God and we're growing together in both home churches and also in gatherings. And we have a culture combo this coming Friday, the 30th of September. And so if you're in that age, 18 to 35, we're going to be gathering and Pastor Keith will be sharing on the value of time. What does time look like? How do we use it better? And so there's also going to be free childcare. It's here at 7 p.m. this coming Friday. If you're 18 to 35, I'd encourage you to come out. It's going to be a great time. You don't even need to sign up. Free childcare for you, and we're going to learn about time. And I'm 23. I have a lot to learn about time. I think I'm, I'm growing constantly, learning constantly, but I have a lot to learn about time. And so my wife, Jaden, and I will be there, and we're super excited to learn with you about time together. But Ecclesiastes 8.6, we're in Ephesians, but I'm going to read something from Ecclesiastes real quick. It says, there is a right time and a right way to do everything, but we know so little. We need to keep it simple, stupid. Because time is one of the most amazing gifts God has given us. Would you agree with that? So good. There's so much we can do, the relationships we can build with our time. But I think we live in a world where time is so neglected. We don't value our time. We don't use our time well. And so we need to learn to do that together. We live in a world where when it comes to time, it seems like everyone's wanting more. Have you ever heard anyone say, or maybe you've caught yourself thinking, oh, I just wish I had more time? Anyone? Yeah. I think we've all been there. And the bad news is, you're never going to get it. God's never going to, if you're praying that, God's not, that's the prayer God's not going to answer. Or he is going to answer with a no. We don't get more time. And I really believe that even if God did give us more time, we wouldn't accomplish more. We wouldn't accomplish more. I think it's like saying, I'd just be more generous if I won the lottery. <laughs> like, God, can I please win the lottery? I'll, I promise I'll give. I promise I'll help people. It just doesn't make sense. See, the clock isn't the problem. It's not that we need the number 13 on the clock. We don't need the clock to go further. Because it's not a resource issue, it's an us issue. When it comes to time, it's an us issue. We need to learn to use our time. It'd be like blaming the scale when you look down and you see numbers you don't like. That's what it feels like to me, and that's just wrong. Like, if you don't like the numbers you see on the clock, it's probably because of you. But the good news is, we can leverage the time we have. God's given us our time. God's given us things that we can do with it, and we can leverage it to where it glorifies God, to where we feel like we have a purpose, we're accomplishing things. And so my question for you is, what if we could give you some tools, some resources to make the most of your time? Would anyone want to do that this morning? I love it. Well, the good news is we can. We can do that. You know, one of my favorite authors, A.W. Tozer, wrote, time is a resource that is non-renewable and non-transferable. You cannot store it, slow it up, Hold it up, divide it up, or give it up. You can't hoard it up or save it for a rainy day. When it's lost, it's unrecoverable. When you kill time, remember that it has no resurrection. No resurrection. 
And when I first read this quote, I immediately thought of my family. If you didn't know, I'm Canadian, and so when Jaden and I decided we were going to get married, we recognized that we were going to move down here in the States and plant our roots here and raise our family here. Great decision, but in making that decision, we recognized that we wouldn't be close to my family. My parents, my siblings, I have three siblings, my grandparents all live within two hours of each other up in Canada, and I live here in South Dakota. And I made that decision. I know it's what God had for us because he ordered our steps. But looking back, I just think about the time I had with my family that I took for granted. You know, it's like that saying, you don't know what you got till it's gone. That time has no resurrection. I think about moments I sat on the couch with my parents and instead of having a conversation, I was just sitting on my phone. Or moments where I wanted to go over to a friend's house instead of spending time with my parents for dinner. And I can sit here and just regret all of my past and sit around feeling bad for myself, or I can see, hey, I didn't make the best use of my time, but it can affect how I live now. I can use the time God has given me now. I can make the most of my time with my family, make the most of time with people. I can live for purpose with my time now. Because what time is, all time is, is a measurement. And what it measures is what you value most. If you look at where your time goes, that's what's most important to you, whether you want to admit it or not. Where you spend your time is what you value most. There's a study I read, and I don't know how accurate this is, so I don't need anyone coming up to me with statistics afterwards and tell me I'm wrong, but U.S. News and World Report say that in an average lifetime, an American will spend 24 years sleeping, 13 years watching television, six years eating, probably more for me, Five years waiting in lines, four years doing housework, two years unsuccessfully returning phone calls, hate that, one year looking for misplaced objects, it feels like a year anytime I lose something, eight months opening junk mail, and six months sitting at stoplights. And if you're anything like me and you live near construction here in Sioux Falls, it feels like that's a good year. Like, six months at a stoplight, I can live with that. But, again, I don't know how accurate these statistics are, but the truth is, we all have the same amount of time. Would you agree with that? Every single one of us gets 168 hours every week given to us by God. Complete gift. The question is, how are we spending it? Where does our time go? You know, I think too many of us are like the guy in Isaiah 49.4 who said, I have used up my strength, but accomplished nothing. And so Pastor Reed and I are going to give you three things to know about time management and the value of it. So if you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to have those out. Um, but we, I think, first of all, we should go to the God who gives us time. Is that fair? Can we go to God in prayer? Father, we thank you for this morning and for time we get to spend with you, God. And What better place to be on a Sunday morning? What better way to spend our time than in your house? worshiping you and fellowship with your people and learning about your word. God, help us to understand the value of our time, the importance of using it well. In Jesus' name, amen. So three things to know about time management and the value of it. The first thing is, it's a mark of wisdom. Say it back to me, it's a mark of wisdom. Just making sure you're still awake this morning, I love it. See, in Ephesians 5, 15 through 16, it says, Live life with a due sense of responsibility. 
not as ones who do not know the meaning of life, but as those who do. Can you read this last part with me? Make the best use of your time. Make the best use of your time. A person who manages their time is wise. They have a godly perspective on time. They know that it's a gift from God, and because of that, we need to use it. You know, we wouldn't get a gift on Christmas morning that we're so excited for and just not figure out how to use it. Like, I remember getting a Wii as a kid, a Nintendo Wii, and I was so excited, and the first thing I did was learn how to use the thing. But somehow, God gives us time, and we just start running with it. We're like chickens with our heads cut off. We're just running around. We don't even know what we're doing. But we need to learn how to use this gift. It is a mark of wisdom. Have you ever heard it said that time flies? Well, if time flies, that means we're the pilots. We choose where it goes. We control where time goes. We're the pilots. Does anyone here know what drift is? No, I'm not talking about when the first snowfall hits and Sioux Falls drivers forget how to drive all over again. <laughs> every year, every year, I'm not talking about that. When I'm talking about drift, I mean you have a goal, you have a mission, something you want to accomplish. And it's not intentional, but you get distracted, we get sidetracked. And next thing you know, we're not even going in the right direction anymore. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Like maybe the speed limit's 55 and you're, I'm not getting another ticket, like set on going 55. Maybe you get distracted or zone out and you look down and your foot wanted to go 70. Has anyone been there? I drive around Sioux Falls, I know you've been there. But that's, that's what drift is, and I fear the same thing can happen with our time. I don't think anyone means to neglect their time. I don't think anyone means to use their time poorly, but if we're not careful, if we're not constantly growing, we're going to lose sight of that and neglect our time. Because there's a day when every clock will stop ticking for us. You know, I'm only 23, but again, tomorrow might not be guaranteed for me. I might not live tomorrow. And so there's going to be a day when every clock start, stops ticking for me. There's going to be a day when we all breathe our last. And I don't want any of us to wait until that day to look back and say, I wish. I wish I spent more time with that person. I wish I mended that relationship instead of getting so caught up in my own pride and my own insecurities. I wish I was more selfless. I don't want any of us to live that way. Because dreams do start with a wish. If you want to do big things for God, it starts with a wish, but it only comes true through work, if we're willing to work. And so as Pastor Reed comes up, I encourage us, let's live like students. Let's constantly be learning, as Pastor Keith has shared many times. The moment you stop learning is the moment you start dying. Thank you. Thank you, Noah. I am so proud of Pastor Noah and our next generation leaders. They are so far beyond where I was at that age, and I'm thrilled to see where they're going to lead us in the future. Absolutely thrilled about that. Well, managing our time, it's an act of wisdom, but here's the second thing it is. It's an act of stewardship. It's an act of what? Repeat this after me if you would. Everything I have is a gift. Everything I have is a gift. This day, is it a gift? Eyesight. Family. Food. Finances. Everything is a gift. I own nothing. When you were born, what did you bring into the world? 
nothing. And when you leave, what are you going to take with you? Which means we own nothing. Everything is what? It's a gift. I think this is a huge mindset we have to understand if we're going to understand time. Because is it just me or do you feel like I do sometimes that we live in an era where everybody feels entitled? See, entitlement is when you and I think that we have a right and we deserve something. I own it. That's entitlement. Stewardship is when I understand I own nothing. Everything's a gift, but I'm responsible for it. It's not a right. It's a responsibility. Now, Jesus talked about this a lot in Scripture. Probably the best-known one for me is when he talked about the parable of the talents. And if you remember the story, the parable of the talents says that the owner, the who? The owner. The owner owns it, but he entrusts three people with talents. One of them he gave one talent. Do you remember the others? Two and five. One, two, and five talents. He says, I'm going to be away from a while. I'm entrusting this to you. It's not your right. It's your responsibility. I'm entrusting you this. So the one who had five, what did he do with it? Anybody remember? Doubled it. Doubled it. Got ten. Got ten. The one who had two, what did he do with it? Doubled it. He got four. And to both of those, the owner comes back and says, you're good stewards. You're good stewards. You were responsible for what I entrusted to you, and you have doubled it. Yay. Yay for you. But then there's the one who got one talent. Do you remember what he did with his? He buried it. Do you remember what the owner called him? Wicked, lazy. See, I think we have to understand that Christian stewardship is the responsibility that you and I have for the gifts that God has given us. And everything's a what? Everything's a gift. So, is our bodies, are our bodies a gift? Yes, they are. Uh, how about the earth that we live in? Yes, that's a gift. How about money? How about time? Yes, it is. Time is a gift that's given that God is expecting us to steward and will be held accountable for it. It's a key thing that we have to understand. I think time is actually one of the greatest talents that God has given us, one of the greatest gifts. You ever heard the statement says, it's not the gift that counts, it's the thought behind it. You ever done that one? When you forgot your wife's birthday and quick got something? Now that thought might work outside in normal gifts. Not with time though. Just to think about time will not help you at all. In fact, how many of you ever think that time seems to go by faster every year? Any of you feel that way? You know, it doesn't. An hour today is the exact same amount of time as an hour was 20 years ago, as an hour was 200 years ago. It's the exact same thing. You know, when, I, when I'm just around people, I'll talk and I'll just say, hey, how you doing? And sometimes they'll say, fine. But there's another statement that they make a lot that I hear a lot. Any of you know what it is? It's exactly. Busy. But it's not two syllables. It's not busy. It's busy. It's they make it like four syllables. You ever been around those people? And, and, or, or they might even make it two busies. How you doing? Busy, busy. Or you might find the creme de la creme, the three busy person. How you doing? Busy, busy, busy. Can, can, can we agree we're all busy? The question is, doing what? 
you know, if, if you take an average week, in fact, help me out in the answers. How many hours do you think the average person works in the course of a week? Okay, I hear 40. Okay, let's do this. Let's, let's take work and let's go ahead and up it and let's give you 50 hours a week of work. Okay? Uh, sleep. Uh, how many of you get eight hours of sleep a night? How many of you get less than that? Okay, I'm going to give you eight. Okay, I'm going to be generous. I'm going to give you eight hours of sleep. Not now, don't, not right now. Tonight. So that is 56 hours of sleep. Uh, let's do this. Family. How about if I give you two hours every day of just undevoted family time? Nothing else, all just focused on family. Is that most than the average family has? Yes, it is. That is 14 hours of family time. How about if I say I'm going to give you two hours a day just of free time? Do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. Is that okay? Two hours free time. And then I'm going to do one more. How about this? Just getting ready. Just getting ready and eating. I'm going to give you 10 hours a week. Now, that, that's average because for men it's 15 hours a week. For women it's 20, so I've just averaged it. Okay, so I've been generous in all these. What does that add up to? Anybody know? 144 hours. Boy, that's busy. How many hours in a week? 168 hours in a week. That means there are still 24 hours or one full day totally unaccounted for. The question is, what do we do with it? There's a verse in Acts I think is absolutely wonderful. And, I, and I, I love it in the message version. It's Acts 17. Here's what it says. Starting from scratch, he, God, made the entire human race and made the earth hospitable with plenty of, wow, with plenty of time. It says that God created the earth and gave us everything we need, plenty of time and space for living so we could do what? Watch TV? Watch uh, Netflix? What? For what? To seek after God. It says that God, when he created, he created us with plenty of time and space to do one thing. Seek after God and not just grope around in the dark, but actually find him. See, God knew the answer. It's what Pastor Keith talked about the very first week, that when you seek wisdom, when you seek God, you'll find everything else you're looking for. When you go to his word, you'll find the answer to everything else you're looking for. I love what Jeremiah 29 says. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Time, it's a gift, but it's way too expensive to neglect. We have to steward it. Here's what 1 Corinthians says. Now it is required that those who've been given a trust must prove faithful. So, it's an act of wisdom. It's an act of stewardship. Here's the third thing about time. It can be learned. It can be what? Success in any area of life is not a talent. It's a skill. You learn it. So, financial success. Is it a talent or a skill you learn? Absolutely. Marriage success. Is it a talent or a skill you learn? Yep. How about spiritual success? Talent or skill you learn? How about time management? It's a skill you learn. Absolutely.
In fact, do this for me just to illustrate something. Would you just take one of your hands and just hold it up? Just hold one of them up, okay? Great. Now, reach a little higher. Now, reach a little higher yet. See, there's always more in us, am I right? More than we think. And sometimes what happens with people, if we want to make change in life, we try to go from here to here in one step. No, you don't do that. You grow a little at a time, a little at a time. You learn a little time, and you apply a little at a time. That's the same thing with time. It's learning a little bit more about how can I think about time differently, what can I do, and then apply it little by little by little. That's the key to success. See, and the best time to start applying that knowledge is when? Right now. Is yesterday over? Nothing we can do about it. Is tomorrow granted to us? Nope. It's a gift. If we open our eyes, it's a gift. Today's the only thing we have, and that's why they call it the present. Absolutely. Remember what Pastor Noah read in Ephesians 5? I, I love the wording of it. Live life with a due sense of responsibility. There's that word. Not a right. I don't deserve. I didn't deserve today. I didn't deserve anything. I didn't deserve this week. It's a gift that I am now responsible for, the due sense of responsibility, not as ones who do not know the meaning of life, wisdom, but as those who do, making the best use of your time. See, God created time, and he'll show us how to use that time. I think one of the greatest examples is the life of Jesus. In fact, if you would, open up your Bibles to Luke 5. Just turn your Bibles a minute to Luke 5. I'm going to refer to a story here in just a second in verse 12, but... I mean, I don't think anyone had more demands on his life than Jesus did. Think about this. How many of you have ever been at Lake Okaboji, got in a boat, went to the other side, and when you got off the other side, there were thousands of people waiting for you to heal them? Has that happened to any of you? Don't think so. Jesus had people around him all the time that were wanting something for him. When he did the miracle of the feeding, do you remember how many he fed? 5,000, that was just men. Didn't include women and children. That's 15,000 people. There were demands on him all the time. How did Jesus handle his time? Well, let's learn. Verse 12, Luke 5. In one of the villages, Jesus met a man with an advanced case of leprosy. When the man saw Jesus, he bowed with his face to the ground, begging to be healed. Lord, he said, if you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing. Side note, that's a great line. Jesus is always willing. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Then Jesus instructed him not to tell anyone what had happened. He said, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. But despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster, and vast crowds, vast crowds claimed to, came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. Now think about this. Jesus, the word has gone out, everybody wants a piece of Jesus. Everybody wants him. I mean, if it's for healing, if it's for feeding, if it's for teaching, it's something. In fact, they're always pressing on him. If you remember the story one time that Jesus was walking and somebody touches him and gets healed of the bleeding disease. you remember that story? And Jesus turns around and says, who touched me? And the disciple says, are you crazy? What kind of question is that? Everybody's touching you. I mean, from morning to night, everybody wanted. How did Jesus manage his time? It's the next verse, 36. 
16. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. How often did he do it? It says often. He often went to the wilderness to pray. See, in only three years, Jesus changed the course of history forever. In three years of his ministry, changed it forever. What did you and I do with our last three years? I don't think that. How do you do it? Exactly what we've been talking about the last weeks. When Pastor Keith started the first week, the first thing he did is he sought wisdom from the Father. First thing. That's the key to your managing time as well. First thing. The second thing he did is he managed his emotions because everybody wanted him to be something. They wanted him to be a political leader, a military leader. They wanted him to be a religious leader. They wanted everything out of Jesus. They wanted him to be a certain thing. Jesus had to manage his emotions. And the last thing, obviously, he managed his time. The thing about Jesus, I think, is so amazing to me is he just did keep things very simple. I mean, he just keep things very simple. In our world today, do we make things just way too complex? Man, I, if you want to make things, if you want to take a simple idea and make it complex, go to Congress. Okay? That's what they do. But if you make something complex like life and make it simple, go to Jesus. There were 613 laws in the book of Moses, the Torah, that the religious leaders said we have to obey. 613 laws. I love it. Jesus says, ah, let's simplify this thing. How about we make it two? Do you remember the two? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love others. That's it. How about how we just make it two? Jesus simplified everything because he understood time. See, how fast did the last 10 years go by? Quicker we want. I think that's why King David said it right in Psalm 90. Teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Catch it? How he puts the two together? If you understand the power of time, you will get wisdom, the two together. The average American right now will live 78.8 years. Just read it, just looked it up this weekend. 78.8 years. That's the average American life expectancy. What does that mean? Number your days. If you're 30 years old, 38% of your life is gone. If you're 40 years old, 51% of your life is gone. If you're 50 years old, 63% of your life is gone. If you're 60 years old, 76% of your life is gone. If you're 80 years old, nice knowing you. See you in heaven. <laughs> just, just stating it. You and I were given a gift of 168 hours this past week. What did we do with him? He gave us plenty of time. Did we seek him? Which is what the Bible says. Or is this the one hour? This is the one hour and we have 167 then to do our own thing. Now, see, next week we're going to put hands and feet. Next week we'll put hands and feet to this as far as real practical things. But what we're trying to do today is, is help you build a mindset about how you think about time. It's an act of wisdom. But it is not a right you deserve. None of us are guaranteed we'll see each other next Sunday. It's a gift and it's a responsibility that we have to steward. But we can learn it as well. When your time is under your control, your life will be less out of control. 
I promise you that. Repeat this after me if you would. If I master my time, I master my life. There's an author, Lucius Seneca, that I want to read one of the quotes that he has put together that I think is absolutely profound when it comes to understanding time. Here's what it says. The majority of mortals complain bitterly of the spitefulness of nature because we are born for a brief span of life. Because even this space that's been granted to us rushes by so speedily and so swiftly that all, save a few, find life at an end just when they're getting ready to live. Man, is that, is that a true statement in today's society? Find life at an end just when they're getting ready to live. It's not that we have a short span of time, but that we waste much of it. And when it's squandered in luxury and carelessness, when it is devoted to no good end, social media stuff, TV stuff, things just run around stuff, no good end, forced at last by the ultimate necessity we perceive that it's passed away before we were aware that it was passing. So it is. The life we receive is not short, but we make it so. Nor do we have any lack of it, but we are wasteful of it. Lucius Seneca wrote that 2,000 years ago. He was a Roman intellect at that period of time. He was totally pagan, not a Christian at all. And yet, he totally agrees with what the Bible says. <laughs> when the Bible says, your life, my life is a whisper. It's a vapor. It's a shadow. It's that long. I think the reality, friends, is that when you and I are at the end of our life, it will not be the number of years that we will grieve. It'll be the number of years we wasted. We need to learn from the dead. Learn from the dead. Lucius Seneca. It's not that we have a short span of time, but that we waste much of it. The life we receive is not short. We make it so. So the gift of today, the gift of this next week, if God gives it to us, how are we going to use it to gain wisdom? How are we going to steward it? How are we going to learn it? We're going to be accountable to it. Father God, I would ask that you would forgive me for the too much of life that I have wasted doing things that have no eternal end, just filling hours in a day instead of guiding those hours and not seeking you with all my heart. God, you're the one who gave us the gift of time and you gave us the gift of this day. And God, if you allow us to open our eyes tomorrow, then we'll accept that gift and we will steward that one as well. But God, would you teach us how to think about time as the most precious gift that you've given us. Help us to use it well to your honor and to your glory. 
We're grateful for all that you do and all that you give us. We take none of it for granted. It's all a gift. We ask this in your name and all God's people said, amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.